Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I've literally just gotten back from a roundtable that I did up in the Northwest. It went very, very well. This is the second roundtable that I've done of the year. A couple of things have stood out to me, just the number of people that are coming. It has really been amazing to watch people come because they want to take another step in their leadership journey. They realize that leadership is not something that's accidental, it's intentional, that you've got to put yourself in leadership rooms. The information that we've been sharing has just gone over so well. I've been dealing with three subjects, leading in the midst of COVID. It's really been a transparent look at some of the decision-making that I've had to do as a leader. Secondly, the difference between the anointing and adrenaline. Can I tell you, this has provoked so much thought and has helped so many people. And then thirdly, just what Jesus said about organizational growth just looking at the word-by-word statements that he made in one of his parables. All of these have gone over quite well. I'm saying all of this because I have some other roundtables coming up. On March 3rd, I have my roundtable in the Orlando, Florida area. I just want to encourage you to come to that if you're in the Florida area. I also, on uh, March 9th, have one in the Albuquerque area. Uh, It is going to be a great, great roundtable. We have so many pastors who come from so many places, and I think it's going to be a positive. And then a new roundtable, which is the 16th of March in Missouri. Now, if you're in the St. Louis, Missouri area, I just want to encourage you to come out. You're in Kansas, you're in Arkansas, all of the states surrounding. Why don't you come out and join us for that particular roundtable? Well, today I want to take a minute. I want to share a lesson with you. The lesson is a biblical example of leadership gone bad. Leadership gone bad. As I've said many times before, one of the reasons that I love the Bible and I believe in the Bible is that the Bible is written transparently and honestly. The transparent uh, part of it is, is it doesn't pull punches. It talks about bad leaders. It talks about good leaders. If you were really wanting to write a book that was to convince people you've just got to believe, you'd leave all of the negative scripts out of there, but God's just honest about it. Now, when we talk about leadership gone bad, it's something that we all have to address because for every Martin Luther King Jr., for every Winston Churchill, uh, for every Abraham Lincoln, there are more bad leaders than there are good leaders. There's more Attila the Huns, Idi Amin's, Adolf Hitler's. There's more examples of those. In fact, one of the interesting things is one of the reasons people shy away from leadership is just simply because they haven't seen good examples of it. Most leaders they've ever seen have been leaders that have been self-serving, leaders that have been focused on an agenda that was about them rather than the people they were serving or a cause that was greater. And so today we're going to look at a biblical example, and it involves a man that is pretty well known. His name's Samson. And in uh, Judges chapter 16 and verse 30, it says, And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. 
and he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all of the people who were in it. So the death that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Let me say that last sentence. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Man, what a dramatic moment. Here's a guy that's literally chained between two pillars. All of his adversaries are right before him, mocking him, holding a party. And yet with his last bit of strength, he begins to pull. And all of a sudden, the walls begin to come down. The roof begins to come down. And all of those that mocked him, including himself, died. It's dramatic, man. It's the kind of visual you just think, wow, what a dramatic ending to someone's life. But the truth of the matter is, is that was not God's planned destiny. It wasn't what he wanted for him, nor it was how he wanted for him. And what I can say to you in all of our lives is that God navigates through the decisions we make or the decisions we don't make. And because of those decisions, we find ourselves in positions, and God will give us the best at the moment he can, even though it's not the best that he wanted to give us. And if you want to unpack that theology, it'll take a few years for you to do it, but it is biblically sound. So what I want to walk through is Judges chapter 16. I want to walk through what we see leading up to this dramatic event. It starts in verse 1. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Now, here's the thing about leaders. Leaders have to come to terms with the fact that relational issues affect our leadership journey. Relational issues affect our leadership journey. If we can put it this way, those closest to you will determine more about your success or failure as a leader than anything else. That's why relationships are so critical. We may relate to thousands of people, but the 10 people that we're closest to, they really do set an environment for how we are going to lead and what leadership is going to be like. Here's what we see from the very outset. Samson was going to be a bad leader because he could not handle the relationship issues before him. He couldn't handle the relationships that were closest to him. He couldn't choose wisely in them. He couldn't be profoundly decisive in his values about them. And as a result of that, he ended up failing. And what I can tell you is I get questions all over the nation, and they're questions like this. Well, what do you do if your husband, what if you do if your wife, what do you do if your friend, what do you do? And they're basically beginning to realize that the people closest to them are truly affecting their leadership journey. So one of the things that we see is that Samson had uh, relational issues. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that relationships are always going to go perfect. They're always going to go fine. But relationships have to be packaged within the value systems that the Bible talks about. And there were some very clear things that God had outlined for people like Samson that he needed to understand and he needed to get a grip on. So the first thing is he had relational issues. The second thing is he had influence issues. 
See, God had raised him up to be a person of influence. He was to influence to God. He was to influence for God, and he was to influence the people of God. So I want you to get that. He was to influence to God, and he was to influence for God, and he was to influence the people of God. And one of the things that we see is that he lacked the ability to manage the influence that he has. You know, years ago, Oswald Sanders made the statement that leadership is influence. And that's what it is. It's it's not a title. It's not a position on an organizational chart. It's influence. And so you may have a great title, but that doesn't mean you're the most influential person in that particular uh, office because your title creates opportunity, but influence creates leadership. And so what happens is, is many times the person with the most influence may not have the supreme title. And so there's always naturally an organizational chart, but then there's the influence. Who do people go to when their backs are against the wall, when they don't know what to do? Who are those people? And so in Samson's case, in Judges 16.3, and Samson laid low till midnight, just basically saying he was in hiding. Then he rose at midnight and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, and he pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So this this is a miraculous feat. Somebody's literally ever t- able to take the gates of the city and be able to pick them up, pull them out of the ground, take them to a top of a hill and show. Now, here's the thing. God had gifted him so that he could use his influence. Your influence is usually always tied to your gift. In Samson's case, his gift was his unbelievable strength, his ability to do things that other people couldn't do and that other people really never thought of doing. But see, he had influence issues, and the reason he had influence issues was that he made influence a game to play rather than a tool that you use. He just played with his influence. So the very illustration in the Old Testament, picking up the gates of the city, that's the ingress and egress part of a city. That's where the authority, that's where the influence was yielded. Uh, The leaders would literally sit at the gates of the city and there they would make the profound decisions. And so what he was saying is, my influence is greater than yours. But he didn't do anything with that influence. He just played around with it. Yeah, I've got this influence. Yeah, I can do these things. Yeah, I'm in this position. God's put me here, but he didn't do anything to advance. One, pointing people to God, beginning to lift up God, and beginning to minister to the people of God. There was nothing about this illustration of influence that showed anything than someone saying, I'll show you what I can do. See, when your influence points to you, you become a dead end as a leader. Your influence should always be bigger than you. It should point someone to God. It should help 
people. It should point people to a cause that's bigger than themselves. It shouldn't be, hey, watch me on stage. Watch what I do. It should be something more profound than that. So here you're looking at a man who had relational issues. He had influence issues, but then he also had heart issues. Afterward, it happens in verse four that he loved a woman whose name was Delilah. Well, we all know the story that Delilah was an individual that was a plant in his life that was there to try to discover what was it that gave him this unbelievable strength. Seeing heart issues. As a leader, you have to watch what you give your heart to because the most valuable opportunities you have in life are going to be those opportunities where you engage your heart. I like to put it this way. You can't change your heart without giving your heart. But if you're going to give your heart and you're going to give your heart effectively, then you have to watch what you give your heart to and you have to watch who you give your heart to. You cannot give your heart to everyone. You cannot give your heart everywhere. You have to be strategic in giving your heart and you have to stay within heart boundaries. That's what Proverbs chapter four says when it says, um, Attend, protect your heart, because out of it come the real forces, the real components of life. You've got to make sure that your heart is engaged in the right things. So I want you to see this guy's becoming a bad leader just because he has relational issues, just because he has influence issues, and just because he has heart issues. And these things are beginning to unfold, but it's not only that, he has truth issues. He is unable to articulate the truth, and because he's unable to articulate the truth, it's ending up going to hurt him. And so in Judges 16, verses 6 and 7, so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Samson was good at lying. And leaders need to be good at the truth. You know, first of all, he's in a relationship he shouldn't be in. He's misusing his influence and his heart is committed places that God didn't want his heart committed. And as a result of that, now he has truth issues because he knows that if he tells her the truth, that there's going to be an attempt made to get him in a position that will violate what God's asked him to do. So I want you to see this progression, relational issues, influence issues, heart issues, truth issues, and then pressure issues. It says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him. She pressed him daily. See, every leader has to deal with pressure. Every leader has to deal with components of life where pressures in life come our way. There's the daily demands. But in this particular case, 
his pressure is self-inflicted. It's not because he's serving people or serving God. It's because he's perpetuating his own agenda. And because his agenda isn't running in tandem with God's agenda, all of a sudden the pressure's beginning to mount. And you think the pressure's hard when you're living for God? Just imagine the pressure trying to lead when God's not the center of what you're trying to do. So here it is, the relational issues, influence issues, heart issues, truth issues, pressure issues. Now, for those of you in ministry, can I tell you something? You could literally take this outline. You could break it down. You could spend a weekend on each one of them. Why is it that people don't end up in the will of God? Why is it that their life isn't the ultimate testimony to God? Why do they not fulfill the ultimate plan of God? And you could go through each one of them. You could talk about the relationship issues and just dive down into deep family things. You could deal with the influence issue. Where has God put you? What does God ask you to do? Each one of these is a moment that is profound. But then we find out it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed. He had mind issues. We all know that man has created spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is designed to know God. The soul, the mind, the will, and emotion is designed to think and reflect on God and then the physical body to do the will of God. And yet we find out that his soul is vexed. Why? Because he has now put himself outside God's plan, outside God's order. She is just every day just dogging him and dogging him and dogging him and going one thing after another. And now his soul is vexed. He's out of place. I can't take it anymore. I don't know what I can do next. I don't know what I should do next. His soul is vexed. It's interesting in the Psalm it talks about how the adversary persecuteth our soul, how he goes after it. See, God's design is different. What do we know in Psalm 23? He restores our soul. Your soul is the hinge point. It determines whether you're going to go towards your spirit or your flesh. Are you going to go towards the inside and the outside? And when your soul gets vexed, you always go towards the outside. When your soul isn't being refreshed, that God is restoring your soul, you will always go to the outside rather than the inside. But as a leader, you can never let your mind get the best of you. The next issue And it says, and the Philistines are upon you, Samson. This is after she found out her strength. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out before at other times. See, he's so used to doing something. He's so used to doing it that now he's going to commit the presumptuous sin. And he says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know that everything that he had done had positioned him in a place that God says, hey, you've lived apart from me, you've led apart from me, therefore now I'm going to be apart from you. The idea that you're going to lead without God being a part of the leadership journey. 
And even though he had the plan that it always worked and he had the principles that he had always done, this time it's not going to be there. See, now he has faith issues. And the faith issues are he's neglected God. He hasn't prioritized what he was supposed to prioritize. We all know, seek ye first. Honor the Lord with the first. God never wants to be second in our life. God always wants to be first. He had taken God for granted. David prayed this in Psalm 19. Lord, keep me from presumptuous sins. These are sins where you just presume. You just assume something on God. Relational issues, influence issues, heart issues, truth issues, pressure issues, mind issues, faith issues, and then it's going to lead to vision issues. Because in verse 21, it's going to talk about how the Philistines will put out his eyes. So they're going to blind him. He no longer has a vision. See, all of the things that a leader does are based on a vision and a dream that God gives that individual. But now the vision's gone. The dream is lost. He can't see it anymore. And so what is he reduced to? He literally was now grinding out grain in the prison house. Let me put it to you this way. When you lose your vision, everything just becomes a grind. So if you're in a leadership position and, and you're just sensing this grind in your life, I would encourage you to go back and check the preceding thoughts. Because if you're not careful, when you lose your vision, life just becomes day after day, moment after moment. It becomes a grind. But ultimately, that leads to life issues. And the life issues are going to be this. It's going to be verse 30. He's neglected his relationships, his influence, his heart, truth, pressures, mind, faith, and vision. But as one last thing is, I know I've killed my leadership, but he asked for one last moment. And as a result, more is going to be wrought in his death than in his life. When dying is your most profound moment of leadership, you probably haven't led well. Now, I don't want to take away from those who literally have died doing something great. But in this man's case, his life was to be great. It just wasn't to be his death that was great. And how many times have we stood at the head of caskets knowing that someone's life could have been so much bigger and better, but we're having to talk about their death? And for those that do what I do, you know how hard that is. Samson's a leader who went bad. But the reason he went bad 
we're all controllable. And maybe we can do an honest inventory right now where each one of us begin to look around and say, are there some relationships that are out of control? Have I abused my influence using it for things I shouldn't? Have I put my heart into things that I wasn't called to put my heart into? Have I played around with the truth? Have I let the constant pressure just wear me down? Have I let my mind become obsessed with things and it's at the breaking point? And have I lost my real focus of faith? And am I in a position that the vision is now gone? God has a life for each one of us. And our life is to be an impactful life. And I pray for every leader that's listening to this, that your life would be impactful. If I could ask you to do one thing, could you go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com? Could you sign up for the Florida Roundtable, the New Mexico Roundtable, the Missouri Roundtable, the Nashville Roundtable? What I found is if you're going to lead, you got to put yourself in leadership rooms. And some of you are nearby to these places. And yeah, you can listen to a podcast, but leadership is caught. It's not just taught. Every time I put myself in a room with high-influencing leaders, I come away a better leader. And some of you need to put yourselves in the right room. All our resources are there. Thank you so much for helping us because every time you learn as a leader, you make the kingdom of God better and hopefully you make heaven bigger. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.